Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. Today on the show, I had Ray Youssef, the founder and CEO of Paxful.com. Paxful is like the coolest company because they've been around for so long doing God's work in Africa, connecting all these various telephone companies and financial service companies and banks like M-Pesa all together and then using Bitcoin, allow all of these African countries that have fractured financial networks to work together. And if you're like, why haven't I heard about this already? Right? Like, because the companies that are growing and doing the work in our industry are the ones that you're not hearing about. And that's my job to bring them to you. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories. Can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of the Blockworks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcasts in their network that they produce, check them out at blockworksgroup.io. That's blockworksgroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. I'm here with Ray Youssef. Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Charlie. I've always wanted to do this show with you. I'm really excited because... You know, I was thinking I was thinking this morning, you know, there are so many companies that that people hear about and talk about on a day to day basis. And, and a lot of times, like those aren't the companies that are like doing anything. And then you have those other companies that are out there chugging along, doing the, the, the critical innovation, but also like the on the ground work of bringing in more people into our industry and. Um, You've been guys have been doing that, and then at the same time, been doing so much philanthropic and charity work. We have a lot to talk about. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think there are a lot of companies like yourself that um, are just so busy with hyper growth that you don't even care if anyone's talking, you know, about you guys or whatever on Twitter, or things like that? Yeah, I, we're pretty much the only guys that believe that charity. Would, we don't like that word. We like social good. Social good. Would we believe it should be a central pillar of every company's mission from the start, not just when we make it, right? And we've been living that since the very beginning. You know, everyone thought we were crazy when we started talking about, right, we're going to build 100 schools throughout Africa. Can you imagine what our I mean, VCs would say? Building one school in Africa, if I was a VC, I would say, that's a great idea. Let's let's do it when you make some money, you know, down the road. Um, but that's such a... What you're saying sounds great, but you realize it's an extremely controversial statement to make because business is based on um, like shareholders and at the same time getting your investors and your shareholders to make more money. That's what what revolves business. But what you're talking about a lot of times is is almost like the Scandinavian model uh, of social good or, you know, is is as important and almost here we go. This is the controversial part. Companies have a moral responsibility to their customers and also their employees. Seems like you believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We take care of our people very, very well. You know, that was one of my missions with Paxful. You know, I always said, I want to have a company that me, the young me, just starting out, would love to join. 
but there was no such company around. So I had to do my own thing. And I kept doing my own thing until yeah. I created a company that embodies my vision for the world. You know, why should it be so far off? Why can't we just start right now helping people and giving back? And guess what? It's good for business. This is the thing, Charlie, and I want to beat this into people's heads. Okay, so we don't have any VCs, and that's why we're able to do this, right? We just did this because we're completely bootstrapped. Thank Which God. Which is not easy to do, by the way, and you'll have to tell no, us how you it do was, it. Uh, it was a blessing from God, really. Uh, and I want to thank all of our African users, especially. They taught us every single thing we know about how to actually help them. So, this is the thing with Africans they're very, very sharp. If you're going there to penetrate the market and, and you know, just be another corporate rapist like the rest of the world has treated yeah. Africa. They're going to figure that out and they're not going to do business with you. And I'll give you an example. Safaricom in Kenya, this is a huge African corporation. You know, they run M-Pesa, the mobile wallet in Kenya. Okay, that's who owns them. Got it. Exactly. Safaricom owns them. They tried to go to South Africa. They couldn't do it. M-Pesa flopped in South Africa. This is another African company going to another African country and flopping. Why? Because their, their plot, their, their narrative, it wasn't authentic. But it's in their blood. They've been pillaged and, and like just been taken over over and over again over the past thousand years. So it's like in their culture to like be distrustful, I feel like, uh, of people Absolutely. that are coming in to take advantage and leave. Absolutely. And I tell them all the time when I speak... In Africa, I tell them, you know, skepticism is a very healthy thing. It's going to keep you safe. So the people, let me just put something out there too, in the in the defense of the peoples of Nigeria. So uh, it's no secret that I'm very fond of the Nigerians. They, uh, I think God put a little something extra in the Nigerian man. They are truly the lion of Africa. Yeah. And the Nigerian people are a great example of this because <clears throat> you say Nigerian, everyone thinks Nigerian scammers. There's a tremendously large scamming industry in Nigeria, but it is professionally run. And a lot of it is even from the outside. These people prey on the Nigerian people. The Nigerian people have been preyed upon by scammers more than anyone else. So that's scammers how they know how to scam so well, because they've been scammed so much. Well, the professional scammers yeah. know how to scam so well. There's huge rings over there of people sitting there put on a suit and tie and they scam. The normal I people that, are um, very, very honest. I heard that when you get these... Uh, like the emails from the Nigerian prince and you'd always laugh because the misspelling was so bad. The spelling was always bad. And I always say to myself, like, how do they actually get anyone when the spelling is so bad? But, you know, they do it on purpose because they use that. They purposely, the scammers are so smart. They purposely, and I don't want to dwell on this, but they take uh, the spelling wrong to weed out smart people and to prey on only... But I think what your point you're trying to make is that they're very brilliant people, Nigerians and Africans as a whole, that have been untapped. You know, it's an untapped market in terms of uh, a business because people don't care sometimes about the people themselves. Yeah, it's a great, it's, it's an amazing study, really, because their problems are very, very different than the average Bitcoiner's problems. Like you talk to your average Bitcoiner, especially yeah. a guy like Jameson Loop, right? He yeah. wants to be invisible. Like these guys want to be invisible. Whereas the Africans, they're invisible on the world map. They don't have an identity. They want to be visible. Mm. That's what they want. They want to be able to access the world's financial network. Because the biggest problem in Africa is number one. It's nearly impossible for African countries to send money to the African country next door. Can you imagine how advanced the United States would be if you couldn't send money from Florida to Georgia? It would be almost impossible if you couldn't send money from state to state. I mean, what's that reality reality like? Africa's been living with. 
Well, we hear so we hear about that, right? And we hear about this is like what the average American knows about Africa is like all the countries run themselves and corruption, blah blah blah. But there's a lot of good and a lot of amazing. And I I spent a month in the Zambia and uh, in South Africa last year and it was amazing. I love also in a little bit of Zimbabwe. I love I love Zims. They're the coolest people too. Yeah, Zim, I love everyone. Yeah, Zim is amazing. Yeah, they're so they're so sweet. You talk about smart people. That I'm telling you. Yeah. People from Zimbabwe are the smartest people. But um, how 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 I is think they could have been Wakanda, you know, if this yeah. whole thing didn't they, happen. Then they were on that course. They truly were. I didn't know what Wakanda was, and I'm in a Wakanda uh, Facebook group, um, yeah. and I love it because I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about about cultures that that are not the same as mine, and it's really nice to kind of like be a fly on the wall in those cultures and see see what makes everyone happy and what tick. But the question I have for you is like, how do they really, how do they actually send money? Like, so if you're in, okay, if you're like a, if you run a business and you develop computer equipment in Chad and you want to sell to someone in the Zambia, is there a, like a way to do it? Is it, is there like a, a mechanism? Um, you can go to your Zambian bank and try to make it happen with them. And it's going to be quite the ordeal. It'll take about a week or two. You'll pay significantly high fees, but it's really the hassle that makes it nearly impossible. It's, it's hard even for other companies to pay their VAs in the African country next door. Let's take the typical journey of your African merchant, right? Yeah. They don't make stuff in Africa. So the guy buys his stuff from China. He's buying from a factory in Shenzhen from some guy in Alibaba, right? How does he pay him with his Nigerian or Ghana bank account? Extremely difficult. What they'll have to do is take their local money out of the bank, use it to buy black US dollars on the black market, take the US dollars, yeah, find a way insane. to get them to America, wire it to Hong Kong, then have that make the shipping to the guy in China. Or they could just go on to Paxful, sell their Bitcoin for Alipay. And pay the guy directly. It takes about five minutes. So what you did here, and it's a beautiful transition, you know, talking about the the inability um, for for different countries in Africa to to pay each other. What you're talking about in remittance um, and that intra intra payment network is like been the golden dream of Bitcoiners since you know since I got involved in whenever ten years ago almost. Um, so what you did is you actually did it, and and the way you did it is by taking all of these networks and all these protocols and all these countries and to kind of like bring them into the Paxful network and using cryptocurrency allow like a bridge between all of them. Did I describe that accurately? I should probably let you tell, talk to me about your company and not me describe it. No, thank you so much for describing it because you got it exactly right. What Paxful does is it turns Bitcoin into a universal translator and transporter of money meaning any form of payment can go, go in, will turn into Bitcoin, and then that Bitcoin can be turned into any other form of payment. So someone without, a, without uh, any kind of uh, <clears throat> bank account or financial access, they can take some cash or a gift card that they get, put it into packs, will get Bitcoin. That's one trade. And then they can take that Bitcoin and sell it to a guy, the guy right next to them say, hey, send money from your local bank to mine. Or they can sell it to a guy in the UK yeah. and say, hey, send money to this guy's PayPal account. Or they can sell it to a guy in China, send money to this guy's Alipay or M-Pesa account. Any where form are of people money. sending now? Like where, what are your top three like routes, do you think? So our still top route is uh, China to Nigeria. And we created that trade route four years ago. And it was absolutely integral 
to actually solve the problem. Because when we landed in Africa and four years ago, I looked around and I said, wow, this is the place. They have the problems. They have the drive. They're ready to go. Bitcoin can help them. Everyone said I was crazy because there's no way people making $2 a day are ever going to invest in Bitcoin. I mean, that statement is true, but there's a yeah. lot of people in Africa that make a lot more than $2 a day. They're young, they're hungrily, upwardly mobile. They don't want to use they're Bitcoin hustlers. as a form of investment. Absolutely. And they're not using Bitcoin as a form of investment. They're using it as a medium of exchange. And that is the narrative that we bring to the people. And they get it completely. They taught us everything about what Bitcoin is actually good for. It scares me a little bit because I believe that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies uh, need to be like store value and a medium of exchange. And here you are, you know, you're talking and what you're doing is the, the real reason I think cryptocurrency was created was to uh, create that, like you said, that bridge currency and that, that way for everyone to work together. It scares me a little bit that like in, in at least in, in the non-African world, the push to Bitcoin is like now the safe haven asset type of thing. And that's okay, but I feel like it needs to be a very good balance, you know, of both. Uh, and, and and I'd like to kind of hear your views on that because you're on on one side of it, right? Absolutely. So from our perspective, we see it as a battle between two kind of uh, waves that are that are trying to race ahead of each other. One okay, is the speculation, manipulation wave, right? It's huge. 90% or more of all the traffic, the volume of cryptocurrency is day trading, speculation. A lot of manipulation happens. Bitcoin is a very volatile uh, manipulated asset. It truly is one of the most manipulated asset classes in the world. And sadly, 95% of that exchange volume is fake according to the Bitcoin report. Yeah. So where does that leave us? That leaves us in a very toxic space where we have all of our volume around speculation, which is inherently toxic, and most of that is fake. That's raising, that's growing, and then we have this wave that's smaller, and it's starting smaller, but it's, it's building up like a tsunami, and that is peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer fundamentally changes how the world works because it connects people together it allows I feel like I forgot to that, share dude. their financial instruments with everyone else we've all forgotten that we've all I feel forgotten like the I've original mission that. of bitcoin and i'm like angry at myself a little bit i'm like pissed off at myself a little bit right now i feel like i've feel like i've lost that that vision of needing to be p2p Absolutely. We kind of all missed that, you know, in, the, in these 11 years, especially after 2017, we got blindsided and we lost track of our roots. And that's yeah, why that we happened. have to band together and go in the right direction, which is peer to peer. Bitcoin makes peer to peer complete. Without it, peer to peer cannot touch the world of money. I talked to a lot of people. And money. I talked to a lot of people and you seem to be very... Um, very straight in your convictions. You know, I mean, I'm talking to you and you're, uh, I'm talking to you. Where are you right now, by the way? I'm in Estonia, in Tallinn, at our office here. Uh, I came here after uh, COVID started uh, just to be with our office here to upgrade our engineering department. We have some amazing people here in Europe. You're probably traveling back and forth between Africa, at least before COVID, more than, than anyone I know, at least. Who are, who are you? Like, what makes you tick why did you do this why did you start the company but why did you get into social good was there do you have any you know moments in your life that are unexplained that you kind of like use as guiding posts absolutely i remember it was in 2005 after hurricane katrina 
I saw this picture on the New York Post of this this lady, American lady. She didn't even have shoes. She had to make her shoes from from from, from garbage yeah. cardboard, sitting on a roof. And I said, "This is this, this is shameful. How can we support this? Allow this in a civilized country?" And what I did is I took my bags, went to New Orleans, got in there. The first day they were letting people back in. I walked into a ghost town myself. Went from the FEMA, the Salvation Army, Red Cross, everyone, trying to find people that could help, and no one knew a damn thing. It was the most disorganized effort you can imagine. FEMA knew nothing. No one knew anything except for five nuns. I met these five nuns, Dominican nuns. And working with them, we helped rebuild the first school to open up in the whole city, the New Orleans Cathedral Academy. It was three weeks in an epic journey. I got arrested by the DEA because they thought I was a looter. I, I met this trucker on the way and me and him went and oh my God. emptied out a whole Lowe's hardware. The guy heard our story and he's like, yeah, take whatever you want. And we had to get it back into the city and we got these guys, Christians from Arkansas to help us. It was amazing. But the point was, at the end of it all, we reopened the first school. And because of that, the police and fire department could come back into the city. And that was the official like rebirth of the city. And I looked at that and I was like, wow, one school can make a difference like that? And it stayed with me for a long time. And then when Paxil came around, uh, we were in Africa. I said, wait a minute. The schools, sustainable structures, my fate. I just started smiling and it all kind of started from there. I love schools and schools. Like as soon as you said that, I'm not just thinking about the short term. I'm thinking about you're, you're, you're allowing brains to be molded in the long term. So you're, yes. you're, you're finding the problems at the root of the cause, right? You're finding the hate, the racism, the, the, the inability to communicate, you know, all you know, the caring for, for other people, you know, the, the negativity that sometimes is put in people's minds. You can now take that and, but also give people um, the confidence and the emotional stability and food and, and everything. But uh, there's no, but I guess my fear or my question to you on that is at the end of the day, the issue that you were talking about and the issue that we we're talking about earlier with the financial infrastructure, it comes down to the administrations of these countries. It comes down to like the governments. It comes down to like the corrupt oligarchs who run a lot of these countries, but they also control the schools. So when you build the schools, are they, is their hate still being put into the brains of these children? No, absolutely not. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. No, absolutely not. We we run the school. We pay and maintain the school. We're constantly oh, wow. upgrading the school. Like we just added a clinic and a sports field to the first school. We're not just building them, getting Holy a presence and forgetting about them. For us, this is first school schools house four hundred children. So these aren't schools or campuses. Uh, They're campuses. That's like a yeah, better when yeah, you say school. It's a, exactly. They have a brick building. Exactly. It, it, we first we build the wells and it's a full water storage will filtration treatment and distribution okay. then we build three school buildings and then it's a campus they have a sports field they have like a little garden they have a clinic that we've built now and there's more structures coming up they have solar panels they really are like little campuses and we control the curriculum there so the bad guys can't get in and mess things up so it's okay Let's talk about Rwanda for a second because I'm obsessed with Rwanda. I actually did my college uh, dissertation, my college uh, dissertation on it, and uh, and I've been trying to like over the past 10, 15 years since the 90s follow the success of the country. Um, so the country's been largely successful, and I think part of that is because like half of the, their uh, their Congress is made up of females, which is probably creates a, a wonderful opportunity for. Um, 
direct, you know, better representation of, of people, right? But um, so that's that's one aspect of it. But you have Paul Kagame, who who was part of the the original, like uh, uh, he was the leader of the army that came in and saved the country. He, he's Absolutely. largely been able to keep it successful now. Um, how has that been able to be? Like, I'm a little bit of a of a Rwanda nerd. Like, what's it like on the ground? I've always wanted to go, but I've never been able to. Um, what's it like over there? Great point. So Paul Kagame is a hero. He's the greatest African leader alive right now. And yeah. he's done yeah, an he amazing really job. He truly is. He has done an amazing job. I want to meet Rwanda. him. So I, I want to meet him too. God willing, we both can. And, and we can go see meet him soon, actually. So here's the deal. Rwanda is the cleanest, safest, most civilized uh, country in all of Africa and, and it's civilized and clean and safe by European standards, by any standards, there's hardly any corruption at all. And it's because of Kagame. He went on a campaign of forgiveness and healing after the Rwandan genocide. And everyone, you can go there now, you'll see people who's, who are butchering each other's children before playing peacefully. No one talks about it. It's forgotten. It is forgiven. Of course, it can never truly be forgotten, the horrors of that, but the people have moved beyond. And to me, that is the greatest symbol of human just strength that I've ever seen on the planet today. And that's why we built our first two schools in Rwanda, our first campus. Instead of instead of uh, making it like letting, he followed the Mandela method, instead of letting people just kind of like figure out how to, you know, deal with the trauma in their future, he created a, he created a, systematic government way of dealing with uh the hurt the trauma the anger the resentment the the fear the sad like all the he created a way to deal with that as a country as a whole and then move forward with that and i really hope that the future leaders kind of like do the same and follow through are you are you bullish on africa i mean like so many people oh, yeah. have, like you have went oh, yeah. the, but oh, some people yeah. have went over the years and have, have been bullish and then have, it's just because it's hard to change, you know, the long term. It's hard to see your work on the ground. Well, you can see your work on the ground because you're, you're creating schools and you're creating these like campuses. But uh, absolutely. Well, we've never had peer to peer before. A lot of people, we never had peer to peer finance before. And a lot of people have gone in and tried to change Africa, but the corruption always breaks them down. And believe me, we've seen a lot of it. I'm packs alone. You can look at my Twitter timeline. Every day, there'll be some guys threatening to kill me. Those packs, they say, Paxil scammed me. They took my coin. These guys were scamming on the platform. They were found. Yeah. They were busted. And the only way to keep them from coming back is to spend their funds. That's why PayPal does it, right? So yeah. believe, I have, I have two professional Nigerian scam groups. I think one is called the Black Axe. And they're basically out to get me. They've been out to get me for the past oh, year. Wow. This, is, this, is the situ- this is what happens if you try to make change in Africa. You're going to have to go through stuff like this. So if you want to make change and you're not ready for that kind of swamp, that kind of battle, then don't go in. But if is you're there go real, in, like, is corruption normalized there? Like someone like me, I've never, I've never uh, like experienced corruption on that scale right like from like a uh where you needed to like pay something to get a business deal through or whatever does that happen still yeah of course that's not even seen as corruption that's just the that's way normal things are. Baby, yeah. Just, uh, wow. yeah it's normal business and, and it's not so bad when i when i say corruption I, I mean like professional scamming i mean people that are going to work against the best interests of their country and the African people hate that as well. They really do, especially Nigerians. There's a group of people we're working with in Nigeria, and they're like mission in life is to, to, to save the honor of Nigeria because there are so many honorable people there, and they're fed up with the yeah. situation. 
So because we have a peer-to-peer network of people there that are moved forward by making money, like, uh, okay, so our mission at the end of the day, Paxful's mission is to generate wealth. We want to make our users wealthy. We want to create wealth everywhere we go because that's what financial liberation is all about. Africans have money. There's so much money in the country, they just can't use it. Their money is arrested. It's easier for them to actually transport their physical bodies than it is for them to move their own That's money. That's crazy. There's a, so there's a, there's a value of money, not just like globally, but where it is. Like a euro in Cyprus would only be worth half a euro in, uh, you know, Estonia or wherever in, in France, you know, on the on the same day during the Cypriot crisis, Cypriot crisis. So there's a value. So you talk about like the fractured inability for people to move money. Um, it's so interesting. Yeah. But what ends up happening, if you notice on Paxful too, um, there's a different price of Bitcoin everywhere. Like, so you can have like, or yeah. other cryptocurrencies because someone trading Bitcoin from Nigeria to China is not going to value it the same way as someone buying Bitcoin from New York to Florida. There's a different value to that Bitcoin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also depends on what payment method people are exchanging it for and the risks and liabilities there. The truth is, is that the banking network of the world, they charge a kind of tax, an invisible tax upon other nations' money trying to get. So if you're trying to move $10 million from Nigeria to uh, Germany, the banks there will be like, "Uh, we already took 10 million from this bank in this country two months ago. We can't put another one through. No, only let them put 1 million and charge them quadruple. Like they, they put on a show just to move the money. They don't accept the money that comes in. Because the they have to put network. it on their books. They exactly. Have a risk. Exactly. Every single bank in the world has their own standards. It is the most fractionalized, balkanized, messed up and and downright in a lot of ways racist because it's it's just a blanket of 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 this tax that is put on an entire continent and these people are basically excluded from the monetary system bitcoin solves this so we talk about peer-to-peer you're removing these like banking networks right but money movement is not just uh, moving money, money movement is access to capital markets. If someone in Nigeria wants to go and, and build a house and needs a mortgage, how does he do that without a bank? How do you do that on a peer-to-peer system? Peer-to-peer lending is something we haven't gotten into. It's something we're very interested in. But you know, the truth is we're trying to solve much more foundational problems now. Okay. I'll give you guys an example. KYC. Paxful is leading KYC. We did it before any other peer-to-peer exchange. We got the lead there. We put in tremendous man hours. Before local Bitcoins did it, I think. Way before anyone, way before anyone. And what we saw was that KYC across the entire industry for like emerging markets is is basically completely broken. Not ours, but the whole world. There's no localized KYC. For example, an American provider like Jumio on Fido, NetVerify, they might do great with Americans and Europeans, introduce a non-Latin alphabet like Russian, Chinese in there and see what happens if it breaks down. But it gets even worse. For example, in Nigeria, there's five different types of national ID and almost none of these Western services can handle any of them. In Kenya, there's no such thing as proof of address. And in every single African country, you have all these small idiosyncrasies and differences. How do you do that then? How do you do KYC in these countries? It's a great question. We put a whole team around this and their mission is just to localize 
KYC, and it's extremely difficult. So number one, you have to stay connected to the street. You have to talk to the people there. You have to go through their experience firsthand. And then from that, you can start building a product for people because the truth is no company is going to figure out Africa. Africa is not going to open up unless we fix this KYC thing. We truly have to innovate there. It's like a whole other product. It's like a whole other startup in of itself. But we're doing it not because we want to, but because we have to. If you can fix global KYC, you can you can put voting on the blockchain because that's the, the choke Absolutely. point right now. Like you can't have voting on the blockchain until you can assign IDs to an address. Absolutely. Exactly. It's the key to that. To giving people access the capital it is a huge part of the puzzle but this foundational piece is broken so we have to do it there we were hoping someone already did this but no yeah. one did so we're doing it so anyone out there wants to help us you want product come to Paxful. we are hiring and we need talent you have uh, remote remote workers are you hiring remote people absolutely we are very open to remote now as well we have some amazing remote teams up we have some amazing products you're going to get Paxful. emails now from people by the way Ray so you throw out an email address yeah, you have a lot of people you, listen to the show. Or you can go to paxful.com forward slash careers. Paxful.com forward slash careers. Go to our career page. You'll see all our opens. Yeah, go there. You can apply for all our open positions. And if you don't see a position, apply for something anyway, because we're looking for talent right now. We're all about talent. We'll make a position for you. Oh, you I love that. Driven if you are with us, if you are truly love Paxful, welcome to the family. What's What's the... What's the future for you? What's the future for you guys in terms of um, like goals that you set? You know, like you you must have to set a a short term goal for yourself on achieving. You have a n- number of schools that you want to build or things that you want to do. Like, what makes you tick? Yeah, we are very goal driven. So I was supposed to be in Africa now. I actually want to stay in Africa for the past six months. That was my. Why couldn't you do wait it out there? I couldn't get into the country. I was here. I had to be here in Tallinn and I had to fix some things here. And then uh, I went to Africa a month after that, but we didn't get in. And it worked out for the best because this whole COVID thing made Paxful much better, more responsive and agile company. So hopefully when South Africa opens up, we can get there. And I'll tell you what our plans are. I'll tell you our five-year plan, five to 20-year plan. We call it Pax Africana. I'm going to give it to you guys just like I would give it some big time investor. Number one, we must interconnect the entire country intercontinentally. There must be a seamless settlement network, meaning that you can send money from one African country to the other to bank online, whatever. We're halfway there. We are halfway there. Paxful supports gift cards, both online wallets, bank transfers. We have connections with over, I think, 100 African payment methods. We're set to add over another 100 African payment methods soon. So for 50 50% of the way there, and as we streamline those functions, we'll be 100% of the way there. As we improve our KYC in each of those African markets, we're going to approach that 100% point. That's very important. That's everything. Number two, water. Number three, education. So financial services, water, education, and trifecta of civilization. Financial services, water, education. and wealth. Yes, those are, that's the trifecta of civilization. So we're building these Zamzam wells across Africa now. We built our first well in Rwanda, and we proved the concept. It is actually, first it was just meant to be a, a well for the school, but it was 99% over capacity or something like that. So wow. we let other people from the surrounding district come in and get water there. And we said, okay, let's make this sustainable. Let's charge them a fraction of a penny per jerkin of water, which is a huge deal for them, so much so that people from other districts are asking them to ferry the water. And 
it's working. There's hundreds of people flowing through there every day. It's sustainable and it's changing the lives of people in that district. For example, one young boy, his videos on my Instagram, he got up and he said, thank you so much for this well, I can go to school now. And I was like, wait a minute, he's too old. He was like 16 to go to our school. And he said, I can go to school now because I, I spent six hours of my day fetching water for my family. Oh my God. Wells, and now I can actually go to school. I was like, wow. Imagine having one of those wells in every district across Africa. We have saved an enormous sum to the African GDP by freeing up their eldest child's time and allowing them to go to school. That's the kind of power that we can have that for the people, right? How do you build we a well? Well, I actually helped dig the first one myself. I'm curious, yeah. <laughs> yeah, first you dig, right? You How dig do you know water. where there's water? Well, these wells, because in Rwanda, it rains 300 days out of the year. So you okay. dig a hole, you put it with gravel, you, you secure it, and then you collect the water there, and it remains there. Then you Oh, so there's out. not water there already. You just collect it over time. Wow, that's so smart. How, so how deep do you go? Uh, this one was like uh, three to four meters. We dug deep into the ground. Just I'm trying to like, do the math, how much water that can hold. And I'm going to do it later when I'm bored. I'll give you all the stats. Yeah. You won't have to unless you really want to. But these wells are a huge bonus, a huge bonus for the people because they will increase the African GDP tremendously. Then the schools. So we've already built one well. We're building the second one in Kenya. We're building our third school in Kenya as well, our third campus in Kenya. It's going to be done in about a month. So with water and schools, We've already started this, so we're, we're, we're making some progress there. It could be a little faster, but God willing, it will be. So I want to put this out to every company that's listening, right? And hear me out. Built with Bitcoin is an awesome initiative. And I know some companies are trying to get into the school thing and they're trying to understand how it can help their business, how they can vindicate it or defend it to their investors. Well, let me tell you guys this. Built with Bitcoin has paid for itself a tax school 10x over. How? with the amazing talent that it has brought this company. So many people come to us, they want to work with us, they don't care about the money, these people don't need money, they see what we're doing, they're like, hey, I want to help you. So every company in the world, you can join Built With Bitcoin too, you can help us build schools all over Africa, and I promise you every penny that you put in is going to come back to you 10x at least greater in the amazing talent that will join your company. So one, Interconnect Africa intercontinentally. Two, build the wells. Three, the schools. We're making progress on all those fronts. Number four is the incubators. We're going to open up Bitcoin centers in major African cities. I met my co-founder at my first Bitcoin meetup. It was at the Bitcoin Center in New York, and the guy that set it up and now wants to help us open up all these other Bitcoin centers. Wow. So this will be a place where people can go in the nice, safe retail space, go learn about Bitcoin, buy some Bitcoin. Bitcoin Center in New York was people. one of those great ideas that just preceded. Yeah. It was way too early. It was way too early. Yeah. I remember yeah. the Bitcoin Center in New York. You can go and it was like a guy actually like calling out. It was like a live stock exchange. Yeah. You can trade live. It yeah, was so yeah. cool. Yeah, it was an amazing that. experiment. A few people do, but all the OGs do. I met my co-founder at the, at the Bitcoin yeah. Center. We kind of lived there for a little while. I mean, we were homeless. We were walking around there, <laughs> working there all day. So we want to take that and we want to give that experience back to the world. And I think the first one will be in Johannesburg, Venezuela, Russia. They're just going to be popping up all over the place. And we're going to create an incubator out of each one of them. Meaning you'll get a desk and you'll get a grant. Right? We can actually help these young African entrepreneurs by giving them seed capital. So that's one, two, three, and four. The fifth thing is really big, and, and you're going to get some insight into what makes me tick. And this is really crazy. So you're probably going to call me a madman. 
not to this, but whatever. This is how God made me. It's called Pax Africana. We want to go to these African Africana. countries. Pax Africana. We are thinking big, brother. Five to 20 years. We want to go and give African people a free open source cell phone with data on it. Data is a huge problem. Super expensive in Africa. We want to give them the Paxful app with everything they need to do to talk to their entire network. And we want to give them a Pax ID with localized uh, proof of address, which is a huge problem. We give people those things. We will have opened up, introduced a billion people into the world. That is so cool. That is so brilliant. That is so brilliant. And because you're giving them crypto, you know, putting the Paxful app on your, on their, on the phone, not only that, I don't know if you've realized this, but there's no better way to have access to an employment world than being in the crypto world. There's so many ways that you can earn money just on a cell phone in the crypto space. So you're also giving them a job. You're giving them yeah. a way to earn that data back, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time I go to Africa, it's such a wonderful experience. But I get people running up to me and they're like, yeah, I was unemployed. Now I've got five employees and they're so happy. And I say, it just, it just makes me, it's the best part of my that job. That's so cool. It's the best part of my job. I wish everyone could experience that. You build something that helps other people. Some people have even become millionaires. You no, probably have a lot of people coming to you telling amazing. you, I bought my first Bitcoin, you know, on Paxful back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It happens more and more. I, now people are coming to us and it's a whole different level. They're like, hey, yeah, I built my own little version of Western Union on Paxful. And I focus on South Africa to Nigeria. And one girl was like, yeah, I'm building my own little PayPal on Paxful. I'm focusing from South Africa to uh, Malawi. It's amazing what these young African entrepreneurs come up with. You just give them an open-ended system and they, they literally go all the way. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's why I say Africa is going to rule the world because look at this. There's an army of these young people that are so brilliant. It's amazing. What's your take on what's going on in the U.S. today with the whole um, – uh, Mr. Floyd movement, you know, the whole situation right now, George Floyd situation. You know, I'm not you know, a political guy. I try to keep my nose out of that, but I do Same way, that yeah. every time, every time humanity is about to embark upon a golden age, things happen to slow it down. And, and they happen in different ways in different places. In America right now, I would caution everyone in the United States to do not be reactionary. Do not join the process. Sit down and think. Think about order here. Do not react to the things that are happening out think there. Think about where Gather you're getting your information from. Exactly, exactly. And seek out new sources of information. In fact, if you really want to be a badass, exercise the 180-degree rule. Whatever you're being fed on CNN and whatever, it's pretty much the exact opposite of the truth. So just do not it's, react to them. It's scary that people that are friends of friends that I know on places like Facebook are saying, where should I go tonight, D.C. or Philly, to like riot? Like it's just become a thing yeah. to do. I guess a part of the result that people have been stuck home for so long because you have all these things that have been fumigating. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would encourage everyone to keep us a cool head. Do yeah, not join cool the riots head. in the streets. Do not be reactive in general. Use the time to get to your spiritual core. Like, this could turn into an orange revolution very quickly, and their goal could be the destruction of the United States. So as a proud American patriot, I really do pray every day that it does not happen. The Me too. Of the United States find their spiritual center and take a real stand against this. And sometimes 
to take a real stand, you don't have to do anything. It's just not doing anything and not reacting to them is more than enough of a true protest. That's so smart to say. That's such a, so can you repeat that? That's such an important statement to make. Yeah, sometimes the best move that we can make when all these reactionary uh, endeavors and campaigns are going on, trying to make us do something with what we see on the news, the best thing we can do is stop, take a deep breath, say, I'm not going to react to anything from them. I'm going to sit down, find my spiritual center, be quiet, think rationally, and let you know divine inspiration come to me. Just chill out. It's, it's the best uh, advice I can uh, give anyone. Yeah. Do not be reactionary, ever. Especially the black community. I say this because these dark powers, they always love getting a reactionary rise out of minorities and, and using us as pawns. And it makes me sick to my stomach whenever I see them trying to, you know, lure out black people or Hispanic people or Jewish people or whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, it's anyone. It's any any leaders of any like disenfranchised community. And unfortunately, the largest disenfranchised community is that community right now. And so you as the black community. So you're going to have a lot of people trying to take advantage of them uh, and take advantage of, of us, take advantage of everyone. It's just the thing is, it's not about it shouldn't be. A, and it's not it shouldn't be about black versus white. And, you know, when you see people no. protesting on the street, you know, thankfully, I you see um, black, white, brown, gray, green, blue, all marching and protesting together. But I'm I am a fan of going out and protesting against um against the centralized man, the centralized man who controls finance and also controls the media and is feeding that information and that, you know, falsehoods and the revolutionary attitude for their own financial gain. It's 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 that person that I want to protest against. And the best protest in the world is buy some Bitcoin and yeah. start using it. You don't have to get out to the streets with your side posts. Just buy some Bitcoin. It's a thousand times more powerful than anything you can do in the street. And they can't turn it against us. So so, so let's keep going on that and let people understand that. So guys, listen, when, when you have to understand, a lot of times the best way to protest against the power is to remove those people's power. And the way... You remove the power of information is by peer to peer. The way you remove their their power of finance is peer to peer. We have finance, we have Bitcoin, and we have crypto. With information, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to basically say I'm gonna anything that I hear, I'm gonna make sure that I get two or three different sources, and then create your own balance and create your own. Don't take your information from one source, right? But finance too. When you remove financial literacy. And, and, and financial control is such, is so prevalent down to like your mortgage, but when you remove, you know, you're, you're in chains, when you remove that ability for them to control you financially, you remove the ability for anyone to control your life and the future of your life. That's why I think it's, it's when you have the protester out there as a sign that says, you know, Bitcoin will save us. He's not joking. Absolutely. I'll give you guys a parallel in Africa. So I was shocked and horrified to figure out a few years ago that 14 economies in Africa use the African franc. The African franc is about as African as the Federal Reserve is federal. All the African francs are printed in Paris, and the African countries have to actually pay the French for the right to use the money. Why don't I, I don't even know about this. What is the African franc? I never even heard of this. The African franc is, is a monstrosity that has completely kept these 14 economies balkanized and unable to grow. And this is modern day colonialism, modern day slavery, and it's still happening. 
It's still happening to this day. And you, I, I, I talk to some of these, you know, these people that, that run these countries and ask them, what do you think about this situation? And they, they don't like it either. They're disgusted by it. They're like, yes, of course, it's kept our country basically in change for the past, you know, 80 years. I'm like, why can't we change this? Why can't we do it? And they, why don't you do something? To, and then they're like, all my bank accounts are in Paris too. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing right there. That's why can't change can't go through them. It has to happen around them. It has to be peer to peer. When they see all these young people starting their businesses, working around all these financial limitations, keeping significant chunks of their savings and earnings, not in their local currencies, but in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general. And then these guys that have these old guys are going to have their bank accounts in Paris. They're going to start to think, wait a minute. If all these young people are doing it this way, maybe I can do it this way too. And then all of a sudden, their entire life savings is not being held by some French banker, right? Yeah. And then things can change. Then things can change. And I believe that. It used to be that we'd look and we'd say, you know, look at Africa. Africa needs to change. Africa is like the third world. But I honestly think that the days that we live in now especially, you can't really say that anymore. Um, you can't really, especially the way Western Europe and the way America and some states have dealt with COVID, have dealt with um, the Black Lives Matter movement, have dealt with with everything in the past few years. Um, nationalism, um, escapism, scapegoatism, all that shit. You see so much of it. You can't really look at Africa and say, like, they're, we're doing it right, they're doing it wrong. You can't really do that anymore. Absolutely. And the first thing I do when I speak to Africans, like at our campus tour last year, we went to eight different universities in two African countries and we learned so much. The first thing I do, I tell them, hey, number one, you are not third world. You are way ahead of people in the West in so many ways. And whatever lead that they have, we can make up within a generation and more. That's the first thing I tell them. And I get them to repeat that after me. Because all you have to do is remove that mental blockade and you can watch miracles happen. Because now, hey, if they yeah. can access every financial network in the world with the drive that they have and the education that they have, they will, they will come out on top. This is why I say it's going to happen this time, where the trillionaires of the future are going to come out of Africa. Watch and see. Everyone said I was crazy four years ago when I said Africans would be all over Bitcoin. But... It's proving to be Africa's leading Bitcoin they searches really are. right now. Africa's leading all of the volume on Paxel right now. It is just starting to happen. It's the countries and the places that need it the most are the ones that are going to lead. Um, exactly. But African African countries were created like largely on borders, like colonial borders, right? So you have these places where... Yeah, you have, sorry about that. In, Sorry, no, you have, you know, separate tribal groups. You have separate people from, from different backgrounds that sometimes speak even different languages. Then you have like what happened in Rwanda where labels were put on two set on the same people. That was very stupid. Um, for the future in Africa, what's the best model of governance? Like, what do you see? The Like, what are you seeing on the ground is like the best method of having representation in a place where people have largely felt like disenfranchised? I'm not qualified to say. I, I don't know much yeah, about politics and political structures. Uh, but, you know, those old tribal elder councils that they the work. Africans have been using, they work. They really yeah. do. They work. 
their whole money rotation clubs work, all these old ancient concepts that the Africans had, they work. And we've actually studied those concepts and trying to model them into Paxful. Because you cannot come into Africa and say, hey, you're going to do it just like the white man does it. No, it doesn't work. Their way is often better. It's certainly better for them. So we have to learn from them and their old ways. That's just the truth. So you've not only, you've not only, and I, um, I wanted to ask this earlier, you've not only allowed, like done this in Africa, but also right now, like if I need uh, Venmo or PayPal and I have Bitcoin or crypto or the opposite way around, I can do it on Paxful too. It's, it's all peer to peer. How do you Absolutely. guys, how do you, the problem, the problem with these disenfranchised networks is that like they're slow or they, they allow chargebacks and they all like have their own systems and now you're connecting them all. Uh, how does that, how do you deal with like fraud and things like that? Fraud is a tremendous challenge, absolutely tremendous. You know, at Paxful, we have a top-notch AML compliance team, but that's not enough to handle all the internal fraud that we see, especially coming from the emerging world. Because think yeah. about it, we've given everyone in the world access to every financial network in the world. It's like the Wild West, right? So fraud is the biggest challenge. What we've done is we've actually created a marketplace a fraud police team within Paxful that is constantly on the marketplace, you know, beat cops looking at things, analyzing mm. we have several artificial intelligence subroutines running right now and even more coming. It's, uh, I don't know if you realize, but PayPal was nearly put out of business in the early days by a lone yeah. Russian carter called Igor. And that's the name of their AI that they built. It's called Igor. We're oh, building so an AI cool. as well. Yeah, we're building an AI as well. We call it Ogun. Ogun huh. is this uh, Nigerian uh, metalworking, uh, rum-making deity, and uh, he's quite the character. That's so cool. So it is. It is. This is what's necessary to truly bank the emerging world. You have to be willing to fight your way through this. It's a swamp, man. It, it really is a immense challenge. That's why Coinbase doesn't serve Nigeria. Yeah. PayPal doesn't serve Nigeria because they don't want to deal with that. But well, we you're doing God's work. That. So thank you. Thank we you, truly Ray. Are. We truly thank are. You, Ray, and, and thank for all the people at Paxful. All of our people are great, team. man. They truly. Yeah, it's the most amazing team. There's people here that work till midnight every single day, especially on support, because we really feel for these people. We don't want anything to slip through the cracks. We're not perfect, but truly our hearts are in it. I do customer support every single day. Every single day, the CEO is doing customer support. And everyone in the company wow. has to do that, because we will never lose our connection to the street. Yeah, it's like the dishwasher. That, Absolutely. You have Everyone to. in the restaurant has to wash dishes. It's the smartest thing to do. Absolutely. Ray, Absolutely. thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your questions, Charlie. They were awesome, man. You're, you're one of the good guys, brother. I'm glad you're with us. I really am. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Untold Stories are released every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 a.m. EST on untoldstories.com. Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reed Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of BlockWorks Group. Our account executives are Gina DeFelice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offert. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions. And of course, I'm your host, Charlie Schrem. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Schrem. To continue the conversation, send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember, please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers and information is 
power. 